Robert South here. Today I'd like to talk to you about Christmas. I mean, it is just a few weeks away. And uh, if my granddaughter was here, she could give me to the day that it was. She's been counting it down all month. And we know the familiar scriptures, the ones that's going to be in plays all across the land from Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. That's the familiar scriptures from the New Testament. It will be it will be in plays, it will be preached, it will be talked about, it will be taught in Sunday schools and pulpits and children's plays all across the country all across the world. There was over 400 prophecies concerning the Messiah in the Old Testament. Over 400 prophecies. Having one person to fulfill those prophecies would be incalculable. That You could not measure. There was no way to, to calculate the odds of one person being able to meet those 400 prophecies. Having just one Man, to meet a hundred of those prophecies is astronomical. So did the Old Testament tell us anything about Jesus or tell us anything about the coming Messiah, the, the Christmas story? Well, yes, yes, it did, actually. And to go through this, it's going to be several scriptures, and if you would like, I will send them to you. Just send me an email, and I'll send you this, this list of scriptures. And this is just a small list. There is a lot more scriptures than just what I'm about to talk about here tonight. It starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. What do you mean? The original creation story? Yes, the original creation story, shortly after the creation itself, we hear about Jesus, and we hear about him being born and coming to our aid. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We see where there is a seed of man and woman. We, that is a child. We see that this child is going to be an enemy to the serpent or to Satan. And the serpent's going to bruise his heel, but, but the seed will bruise the serpent's head clear indication that a child will be born a child will be will be born into the earth onto the earth and and they will be a, a spiritual warfare between him and satan well micah verses or chapter 5 verse 2 says but thou bethlehem thou 
Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So now we see that whoever that the prophets are talking about is going to be born in Bethlehem. Even though Bethlehem is a little bitty portion of Israel, of Judah, we're going to see that something major, something magnificent, something wonderful is going to be born in Bethlehem later. Now, Micah doesn't tell us what that is or who that is, but he does tell us that Bethlehem will be where the child will be born. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the day shall come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Now we see King David being mentioned, and we see that David's generation, future generations, is going to be called a righteous branch and a king. So we see Bethlehem, and we see the grandfather, David great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, however many greats it was, we see that David's going to give birth to a, a succession of people, and then eventually one of his descendants is going to be called a righteous branch. So now we know it's going to be out of David's line of the family. Jeremiah 33, verses 15 through 17, we see in those days, and at that time, will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up into David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Verse 17, for thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Neither shall the priest, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. Unto And in those days and at that time will I cause a branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. Again, pointing out that David's going to be the head or, or the, the, few, uh, the descendant of David is going to be this, this righteous judge or this branch of righteousness. So we now know it's Bethlehem. We see him twice here in just these few scriptures that it's going to come from David's family. Isaiah, the little, the little Bible is what most people think of the book of Isaiah because there's 66 chapters and Isaiah covers a lot or portion of a lot of what the Bible covers. Isaiah 11 and 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. A root of Jesse. Jesse was David's dad. If you've studied the Old Testament, you know that. But what, let's point out here, to it shall the Gentiles seek. To this baby, to this this descendant of Jesse and, and David shall the Gentiles seek. Thank God for that because I was a Gentile. I've now been adopted into the branch, into the root, to the vine of the, the children of Israel. I wasn't born Israeli. I wasn't born Jewish, but I have been adopted into that family. I've been adopted into Christ. I've been adopted into the heavenly family. But thank God, to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. So there's, you're seeing now a clear indication that, that the individual that they're talking about, that they're prophesying about, is going to be for all people. 
again in Isaiah verse, chapter 9, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. If you are looking to the United States government or whatever government of your land or your country that you're listening to this, if you're looking to that government for your peace, for your security, for your safety, for your salvation, you're looking in the wrong place. The government is made up of people just like we are, and those people are flawed just like we are. And so the government is inherently flawed because it's made up of people. And if we're looking to the government for this healing, for this, this sanctification and the salvation, we're looking in the wrong direction. The government can't do anything. It's not in the government's doctrine, if you will. Dogma, bylaws, constitution, regulations. There is no way that the government can do any of this. So we have to look a little higher up. We have to look to Christ. We have to look to Jesus. We have to look to God the Father. And his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you know K-N-O-W, if you know Jesus, then you know K-N-O-W, peace. But if you do not know Jesus, then there will be no peace for you. Only through Christ will we have peace. Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Wow. Now there, right there in the book of Isaiah, is a huge point to where Christ is coming. They shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So this baby, this God, who's going to leave heaven and be born of a, of a virgin, shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 60 and 6. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Median and Ephath. All they from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. The multitude of camels, the dromedaries, which are camels, of Median. They are coming from the Orient. So now Isaiah is showing us that there is going to be wise men come, and they shall bring gold and incense. Now, we don't know how many wise men there was there. We know that there's more than one because it says wise men, but we do not know that there was three. The only reason why we say that there was three wise men was because they gave three presents, but there might have been more than three. We don't know, and it's not really important for us to know. We know that they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's from the New Testament. The New Testament tells us this. The Old Testament tells us that they'll bring gold, 
and incense. Gold is gold. Incense is frankincense and myrrh. There's others, but frankincense and myrrh, what the wise men gave Christ, was the incense. And it's used for medicinal purposes. It's used for, for death rituals. It's used for other means. But why would you give a baby something? Would you give a baby a coffin? But basically, that's what they gave Christ. Because, you see, Jesus was born to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And he was born to die so that we will be born to live. He teaches us how to live, and he teaches us how to die. If we will look to him. Psalms 72. Yes, King David was a prophet. Psalm 72 and verse 10. The kings of Tarshish and of all the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Again, pointing to the, the wise men. And how the wise men are going to seek him and find him and give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these wise men were from the Orient. Back to Isaiah in our last verse. Isaiah 16, verse 5, it says, And in mercy shall the throne be established. He shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging, seeking judgment, and hasting righteousness. You want mercy. You want peace. You want salvation. You must turn to Jesus. In this celebration that we, we celebrate this time of every year, Christ and his birth in Bethlehem. Now, I will admit, December the 25th is not probably the day that Jesus was born on, okay? And yes, it was set up to at the same time as a pagan ritual and the winter solstice and winter fast and all of that. Yes, I know, I know the history. But point on the calendar to a day that the pagans did not celebrate something. And if you can find a day on the calendar that the pagans did not celebrate something, then that's the day that you should celebrate Christ in his birth. But you see, there, there is no day. And it's not about the day. It's an, you could celebrate it July the 12th. You could celebrate it uh, January the 14th. You could celebrate it any day you want. It's not about the day. It's about who the day is about. And that is Jesus. Jesus was born as a babe in Bethlehem, raised up in Galilee and in Nazareth. He lived in Egypt for a while. He was raised as a carpenter. And then he died on the cross of Calvary for mine and your sins. That's the important thing. Christmas is the promise. Easter is the promise fulfilled. Without Christmas, there would be no Easter. Easter is where it's at. It's the resurrection. It's the death of Christ on the cross. It's the resurrection of Jesus. But we had to have a birth. And he was born and raised in every way, likens to you and I. So he saw, he was tempted, he was, he was, you know, in school, he was learning, he was running with friends and playing, he was working, he was doing everything that we do. So that's how I can sit here and tell you that he was teaching, he's taught us how to live, but in his death, he also taught us how to die. And he taught us how to die so we could live in heaven with him. So this Christmas season, 
Study the Word. Study the Scriptures. If you do not know Jesus, then I, I, I encourage you to know Him, to get to know Him, to accept what He done on the cross of Calvary, to use this Christmas season as a jumping-off point for what He done for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's end in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings. We ask, Lord, that you'll open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, that you'll open up our eyes of understanding, Lord, and that you will let us see what you would have us to see through this Christmas season. Lord, that we will come to a fuller knowledge of you. We will come, and Lord, if we don't know you, that we will come to you. We will accept what you've done on the cross of Calvary for our sins, and we will accept your death as our salvation, as our remission of sin, so that we may live with you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Guys, until we meet each other again, take care of each other.